Welcome again to our frequent podcast called Wear Many Hats, inspired by Ethan Hawkey. Throughout the year, I, David Punter, the Business Development Director for Hawkey Cleaning and Support Services, shall be interviewing prominent FM and procurement subject matter experts across a range of industry market sectors. It is these people with their wealth of knowledge and experience that will inspire the next generation of professionals coming through the ranks. Our objective is to share our guest stories and experiences to help motivate, engage and inspire others into the industry. Through Wear Many Hats podcast, we hope our listeners will gain new perspectives, insights and learn about strategies to develop their careers in the FM procurement business. It gives me great pleasure today to introduce Wesley Ulvey. And you're from? JLL. <laughs> we are delighted to have you uh, with us. So without further ado, um, this leads me into the first sort of set of questions. Um, Wesley, do you prefer to be Wesley or Wes? Or? No, yeah, Wes is fine. Wes yeah. is fine. Okay. Wes, um, so looking at your own personal journey, um, how was it that you entered into the facilities management sector? Um, as everyone else who's probably been on this podcast, I fell into it by accident. I wasn't actually aware what, what FM was when I was approached for a role. Um, I, as most people finished school, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with my life. Went to college to do some A-levels and my father had a construction company and okay. he kept bugging me to come to work for him. Obviously, I wanted to earn some money, so I decided uh, to go and work for him and learn a trade. Um, the trade was suspended ceilings, partitions, office fit-outs, much like the office where we are now. Um, so I went and done that, learned a trade, sort of came into contracts management, worked my way up, and um, I was made redundant at one point. And so your father made you redundant? Well, yes. This, no, this was later on in my career, oh, okay. not my father. This was, <laughs> this was another role. Um, and the client we were working for at the time really liked me, and within about half an hour I had a phone call and was offered a, a role in FM. And FM at that time was a very broad subject, you know, it could be from the post room to, to what FM is now. Okay. Um, so obviously I, I Googled what FM was at that point <laughs> and uh, yeah, it took the role. Um, so that's sort of the so, beginnings of how I got here. So your first role, um, would you say in FM was, with, with, who was that with? That was with Property Serve. Okay. And you were with them for quite a, a lengthy period of time, sort of cutting your teeth uh, for well over seven years plus. Yeah, it was a great small company when I joined. We had sort of 10 managed properties. I think when I left there, we were up to about 100 managed properties. Okay. And I, I went from FM to senior FM to head of FM. So I went through various roles there. And, you know, that's where I really learned the skills of FM and started to bring people through, um, junior FMs and, and senior FMs alike. Okay. And was that... Nas a national role or was it uh, just London centric? No, at some point, yeah, I was head of FM nationally. Um, our client's office was in London and Harrogate. Um, so I was doing a lot of traveling around the country, uh, which was, was great at that time in my life. Um, obviously, once you have kids and settle down a bit, it's not such a good job. <laughs> and um, after, after that, where, where did you go after, after leaving um, Property Serve? 
So after property serve, um, I went to Derwent London with okay. Mac, who, who you had on previously. Yes, our other uh, podcaster. Um... Yeah. yeah, so I went into an operation, senior operations role uh, at, at Derwent, um, obviously client side. So there was a lot of, we were the client, we were developing, designing the buildings, and then we were manage, managing them as well, which okay. was quite, quite an interesting role. But being client side is can sometimes not be as exciting if you haven't got a, a client to please in some ways. Okay. And and, and after that, uh, when you left uh, Derwent London, you went to, I understand, um, MJ Map? Yes, yes. MJ Map, now Map at the time. Um, I was regional director there, had a, a team of around 10 FMs, um, 200 properties um, in the south and London. Okay. Uh, a lot of nice prime office buildings, a lot of industrial um, so that was a really good time in my life. I'm still in contact with all of my FM team there, some of which are trying to invite me out tonight, but sadly I won't be making it. <laughs> well, I'm sure they'll be listening. <laughs> um, and after that, you then went to Ballymore yeah. uh, for a, a short period of time, and, uh, and then you're now at JLL. Yeah, so Ballymore was my first residential job. Um, I was in charge of 11,500 homes. Um, going from commercial to residential is quite a jump and quite a difference. Because Did you like it? No, okay. I won't be going back to residential. That was my one residential stint. Um, you're dealing with people's homes emotions. and emotions, and that's completely different to dealing with commercial property. Uh, there's no good time in residential to carry out any works or any projects. And this was very high-end residential, so, you know, yeah. first world problems. I feel your pain. Um, so what um, is it now that uh, you like about your uh, facilities management role? Um, so JLL, um, I've just been there six weeks now. So I'm um, group lead FM director on the Aviva account. Okay. Um, so I manage the whole of the Aviva. I'm 100% dedicated to that. Um, I love FM. I love that every day is different. I love the team uh, and building FM teams and uh, bringing people through the industry. Obviously, now um, I'm a fellowship of the IWFM. And last year, I was made fellow, uh, which is the highest accolade in IWFM, which was, you know, really good for me. For Congratulations. Thank you. And, um, yeah, and so now, you know, my, my job is to inspire the next generation, build teams, uh, and bring people through into FM. Whereas it is for that reason, Wes, that we're delighted to have you uh, and to interview about this. Um, so basically, you're working specifically in the facilities, uh, sorry, the facilities management in, with managing, as a managing agent in that capacity. What um, do you think that um, this sector has unique areas in the FM field that are sector specific? Um. Yeah, so I work on various accounts. So the client has, you know, shopping centres, um, retail, industrial, and and office. Okay. Um, so at the minute, you know, the office sector is still recovering in some ways. Um, industrial is is going crazy. Is it? It's a place to be at the moment, I believe, for for most investors. And you know, retail has been struggling. Um, I think it's making a comeback after COVID, but that's kind of where the sectors are, different sectors are now. Okay. And, and, and obviously the office sector has had to um, kind of pivot. 
from uh, coming out of the COVID uh, pandemic situation and with a, a people uh, doing a lot more hybrid uh, working. Um, have you seen any changes in that? Um, no, the hybrid is still the op- preferred option for everyone following COVID. There's obviously the utility markets where, you know, certain areas such as help desks where you have maybe younger people, you know, they prefer to be in the office. Okay. The they, companies are now bringing in food and, and different things to to get people back to the offices so that, you know, you don't to have to To make them attractive on, workspaces. Yeah, you don't have to turn on your heating. You don't have to bring in your lunch. You know, it's all these little small perks. And you can even bring your dog. Yeah, exactly. There's lots of dogs actually around the offices <laughs> at the moment. But there is. Yeah, there, there, there's lots of initiatives to, to bring people back to the office space. And I think there's certain roles you can do as a hybrid. You know, if you're a building manager, it's one of those things you are a building manager and you have to be on site every day. So. Mm. You know, I think there's always a disparity between people, what people think they can do from home and what they actually can. Okay. And if I, if I was to sort of ask you, which skills are um, required to do your job? Wow. That's, that's a big... A big, very broad one. Very broad question. Um, I always say that you can't teach personality, and you might edit out afterwards, but, um, you know, you need to be a people person. You need to be able to speak to people. Uh, you need to be agile. You need to be able to think of more than one way to, to solve a problem, and that's that's a big piece of FM. Just because there's a piece of kit in a building that's broken doesn't mean you should replace that piece like for like. And, you know, with carbon net zero especially, you know, there's boilers. If a boiler goes down, nowadays you're not going to change it for another gas boiler. So you need to be have to think outside the box. You need to be very organised and pretty much work from anywhere is what I say. You know, I don't. I'm not fussed where my team are. I know if they're working or if they're not working, and you know they can work from from anywhere they want to work from. So you would say that one of the skills or a trait, <clears throat> rather than an acquired skill, is actually having a personality. Yeah, yeah. You need to be able to speak to people on on various levels, from from cleaning, all the way up to you know CEOs of companies that aren't happy with certain services, and everywhere in between that. Okay. So, um, Wes, what would you say, um, and I know you're going to sort of say, you know, every day's a different day, um, but what does a typical day look like for you? Yeah, I suppose there's two kinds of, of days for me. Um, obviously, the working from home day, which is, okay. a, is a lot more structured. You know, I'll get up, I'll do some emails, and I'll actually take some time out and walk the kids to school, come back, and then sort of start work around half eight emails, any piece of project work that I can do at home where I'm, I'm not being disturbed by the by being in an office and, and people coming up to me. Um, and then there's there's the office days, which are going, it's quite collaborative. And then there's the days like today where I'm traipsing around London doing 20,000 steps, looking at different buildings. I like to always keep in with the FMs um, because I don't want to lose touch of what FM is. So in my previous roles, I would also have my own buildings. I would manage one or two okay, just to, to keep my hand in and to know the contractors and to, you know, almost shadow some of the FMs and, and bring them through some of the junior people and, and okay. guide them. So you have kind of three typical days, I think yeah. I counted there. Yeah. Um, your structured one, your collaborative, uh, possibly chaos office day, and then you're <laughs> going out 
uh, a meeting and greeting and the personality day. Yeah, yeah, yeah? And, and some networking normally on, okay. on on that day. Okay, and um, so and what do you prefer out of those days? I prefer. I don't mind getting my hands dirty. I prefer being out there actually physically looking at the sites and how they present and what the customer experience is because I know that's high on the client's agenda. Okay. And so I like it at the minute that in my role, because I'm fairly new, nobody knows who I am when I walk into a building, which won't last for long, but it's it's quite nice that you can see that building from a from a customer or, or a member of public from the street. I agree. So kind of like you're the visitor getting the visitor experience yeah, on your site. Almost a mystery um, shopper if you want. Until the honeymoon period co- get, uh, <laughs> goes over. Yeah. Um, what, what would you say, Wes, um, to someone by way of advice um, if they were starting their career off in facilities management? Strangely enough, my 12-year-old daughter is very interested in health and safety and facilities management. Gosh, which is recruiting a, already. Yeah, which is a, a shock. Um, I would say, obviously, you've got the IWFM, which is great for everyone starting out, the various courses. There's now degrees out there within facilities management. Um, I would say look to the future of facilities management, which would be the AI, sustainability, health and safety areas. And I think they're kind of key to start out in one of them. If you wanted to start in business administration, you could. A lot of the um, assistant FMs I've ever brought through have come from site level, have been receptionists, building managers, coming through into AFMs and then building themselves up. And okay. we've done a lot of that at Doe and, and a lot of that on MAP, and they were very good for that. Um, so, you know, it's becoming a, a renowned trade and, and people are going and studying it, whereas back when we started out, we didn't set out to go into FM. I would agree. It is uh, an evolving um, uh, sector. Um, but also, I just wanted to ask you, is that you, obviously you've only had a short period of time with JLL. Are you, um, are you starting to identify people that you need or would like to mentor in that organisation? Um, yes, yeah, there's, the FMs um, definitely look to me for advice. Okay. Um, so I'm helping them to, to guide them in, in different routes and look. Sometimes when you have a building for a long time, you don't see past it and you, you see different things. And I would see different things too, that you would see when you walked into the same building. Uh, so it all depends on your background. So, yeah, there, there's lots of work to do, but there's some really good characters and, you know. You've got a good team. Yes, definitely, yes. Fantastic. So looking specifically at facilities management solely, um, has the way – uh, facilities management uh, procurement changed over the years? Yes, it, it's changed a lot. It's from the old days of, I don't want to say it, but getting the cheapest and expecting the best um, to now, you know, looking at service partners rather than us and contractors. We're all about service partners, having fewer service partners for longer term contracts. Okay. And delivering some of your ESG and your social values via your contractors. I mean, the weighting of ESG in procurement now is, is huge. And it I know is. currently where I am, it's it's amounts to nearly 30% of the tender process. Okay. Which is, is massive, you know. And you can only deliver ESG. You can deliver a certain amount yourself, but you need to deliver some through your supply chain as well, such as a social value, employing local workers, uh, you know, 
We can, and paying good wages, of course. Of course, with paying good wages, yeah. And also using your supply chain for CPD, obviously your supply chain are the experts in, in, in the matter. So, you know, using them in the right way and asking them to, you know, if there's an industry update, asking them to provide it to your FM team. And, okay. and you know, I find that a great, a great way to become one and work as one. Okay. Thank you for that. And with the um, advent of online meetings um, through either Zoom, Teams or uh, other means, do you think that this has affected the way strong partnerships with suppliers can be fostered? I don't think it has. Uh, I think I've always had the same supply chain pretty much now, and it's a small industry that, that I've worked with for 10 years um, through COVID without our supply chain and service partners. As FMs, we wouldn't have got through it. You know, you were the guys out there doing the jobs still on the ground. Obviously, we had to communicate in different ways uh, and people were using Teams. Um, I think people now are shying away a bit from Teams sometimes and not wanting to put their cameras on. And I think that kind of defeats all of the objects of Teams. Um, it's a great tool, um, but, you know, face-to-face is coming back and, you know, events and networking is definitely on the rise again. And, you know, we're doing a lot of service partners, such as cleaning, etc. We have two or three, four cleaners, cleaning companies, and they're all coming together to do CPD events to see how they can actually collabor- collaborate across the portfolio, as in, do they use the same suppliers to buy their materials okay. for the client? Is there anything they can do as four separate entities to, to make the client's experience better? Yes, I think um, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think the team still has its part to play. Um, I'm yet to decide and work out how to do background changes and stuff like that <laughs> on my teams, but because uh, um, I do tend to see rather a lot of teams people there with their washing hanging up in the background or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, so, I, I noticed um, that as well. Yeah, <laughs> um, or in the sort of spare bedroom or something like that. So, um, moving on. Um, what is the next big thing in procurement for facilities management services that suppliers, such as Hawkey Cleaning and Support Services, need to look out for? I think, the, as I mentioned before, the ESG part is huge. The weighting of it is huge. Okay. Um, the delivery, I don't believe that it's now all about cost. Cost is a factor. Um, you know, we know service charges are tight with utility costs, etc. Yeah. But it's the longevity <clears throat> of the contract. The buy-in from the client and from the manager agent, they're instructing. You know, we're looking, the RICS code currently is a five plus two contract. Yes. Which is a huge contract to give to someone. Mm. Uh, but, you know, if you can buy someone in for, for that long, they know it's a partnership. Yes. They can invest in it. It's not like you, you're going to have a contract for a year and, and not know if you've got year two. Uh, well, it's longer than a government term, isn't it? Yeah, so. which is easy in uh, commercial, but residential, obviously, you've got Section 20, which makes that a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. So in commercial world, we're looking at five plus two okay. uh, and long-term relationships. Okay. Um, and that brings me on, really. I mean, how important um, are um, EDI issues affecting today's um, FM procurement decisions? Yeah, as I mentioned, it's huge. It's it's 30%. Um, JLO have a great um, EDI strategy that that they've laid out, um, which covers all aspects of it. Um, our PPO or procurement department handle a lot of that. Um, obviously, 
the social part of it is huge at the minute. Not many people focus on the on the social part. You've Correct. got big buildings, you're building new properties, you're affecting communities, local schools, you know, displacement of people by the building that you're building. So it's key that you then employ local people and you regenerate those those areas with, with placemaking and, and whatever you can do. Okay. And and how important are sustainability issues uh, with suppliers that you work with? So that, again, that's huge. You know, our clients have carbon net zero targets. Um, so we all need to pull together. We can we can obviously do projects to to meet those requirements, but you know it comes all the way back to who you're employing, where they're buying the materials, where they're dumping their waste. It's 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 a vast topic. Do you think um, JLL are just giving lip service to that at the moment? No, I don't. Not at all. No, they stand by their values, and everyone within the business um, is made to buy into those. And you know, certain training goes on around that. There are events that go on, you know, to, to really push this this matter home. You need different people from all different walks of life to to make a company like JLL work, mm. especially a global company. And it, are, is uh, JLL looking at trying to get some um, sort of awards accreditation in that area from independent means? I'm sure they will be. Obviously, I'm only six weeks in, so um, I, I can't really speak on that subject. Okay. I won't put you on the spot on it. I was just, uh, just wondering whether they were looking at things, organisations like B Corp and that sort of, uh, um, down that um, Yeah, the, the, I imagine they are. Obviously, when I was at MAP, MAP turned into a B, first B Corp property company. Okay, uh, didn't which know was, that. Yeah, which was really good accolade for them to have. Um, and I believe they're still one of, one of the only sort of property companies to have that. Are they? Uh, yeah, so, you know, that was, I was part of, uh, the team when we were getting that so you know there's lots of criteria to to match which on a global scale would be very difficult i would imagine exactly i mean even for hawkey cleaning and support services that are going through that verification process now with b corp uh we are finding it um interesting and challenging but uh i think we hope we hope to to make movement on that but i imagine as a global organization uh there's a lot of uh um, buy-in. Yeah, to, I remember the question set well. Yes. And it's, it's very, yes, yeah, very detailed. Um, so now moving on a little bit about you personally is that, you know, what's your biggest regret in your career to date? Oh, I know there, <laughs> everyone says the same thing. There are no regrets. Uh, you know, there's some moves that looking back in hindsight, uh, I wish I hadn't moved to various companies. But, but sometimes you have to realise that to realise that perhaps you didn't want to go into residential, for example. Exactly. And those are the moves that, that got me to where I am now. So, you know, although some things may have seemed like a bad idea at the time, I probably wouldn't be where I am now. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Uh, so, you, uh, any other regrets? Um, probably that I didn't start in FM earlier. Okay. Um, if a could. lot of people have said that. Yeah, but it wasn't really, uh, like I said, I didn't know much about it at the time. It wasn't so recognised as it is now. but. Mm-hmm. You know, I do. I do wish I had saved my back and my carrying plasterboards and tools, <laughs> and you know, watching watching my dad do all of that, and yeah, wishing that I had an office job. <laughs> well, I'm inclined to agree with you. I was brought up on a farm, so I mean, it was the same thing. Probably would have saved my back too. Yeah. Um, so, what's your um, on the sort of plus side? What's your biggest achievement uh, in your career to date? Uh, I mentioned it earlier, but definitely getting the fellowship for IWFM. Okay. Um, I've been trying for that for a long time. I've been at member level for many years um, and I've done a lot for the industry and that's about 
recognizing your achievements within the FM industry. And there was a very detailed process to go through. Really? For that. And a lot Were of you put forward by an organization or? Uh, no, no, I, I applied myself. I know people within the IWFM as well who, who helped me to get that. But, you know, it was a long process. I sent my forms off. They rejected me, sent them back, said I wasn't detailed enough. It's very hard to write 10,000 words about yourself mm-hmm. without sounding quite arrogant. Um, so I wrote it again. It, it, yeah, it got accepted. And I was one, I didn't realize at the time, I was one of only a handful of people last year that was internationally that was given the IW fellowship to IWFM. Do you think that made an influence on um, your movement in your career yeah, to JLL? I was, well, I was suddenly hit with a lot of opportunities. Okay, yeah. so for our listeners, uh, something to, to yeah. certainly getting those awards, badges and uh, recognition certainly does help to springboard your career. Yeah, and it's a recognised process of going through IWFM, you know, starting as an associate or affiliate, going through through the different levels as your career um, evolves and then sort of finally getting to the pinnacle I feel like my career has almost been backwards I'm, I'm looking to go and do a, a master's degree in October in facilities management I wasn't great at school I wasn't academic um, but over the years I've done lots of courses and, and, and got got to where I am now but almost the icing on the cake is to go back and finish what okay. I started so okay I mean I, I mean you're a very young man but I'm just looking at the the end game in your career. Yeah. Would you use that masters to put something back into the industry as a sort of? Yeah, definitely. And that was part of the fellowship. You know, I'm now sitting on sort of the board level IWFM, shaping the way that the IWFM is, and bringing mentoring is one of the new things that's coming in and buddying yeah. up with maybe a fellow, someone coming through the industry could buddy up and and come to you for advice. You know, whether that's online or face to face. Um, but yeah, the ultimate goal is, is to to give it all back, and not to work till sixty five and be out by fifty five. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I mean, thank you for that. I mean, so what in um, things in life now? It could be uh, work or leisure that gives you the greatest satisfaction and enjoyment. I got a cat during the lockdown, or my, should I say, my children got cats? I don't really like cats. um, You got one cat or two? One. So as part of the process of buying a Russian blue cat, I said they could have a cat if I could name it. And I named the cat Tequila after my (laughs) favourite drink. Um, But one of my favourite things is living where I live. I live by the sea. And so, you know, I live in an apartment with a shared garden, but our garden is really the uh, the beach. So, you know, when I come home in the summer, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night, we go down the beach, we'll have a barbecue, we'll swim. You know, it's the greatest place to live in the summer. It's probably the worst place to live in the winter. But, you know, that's kind of one of my passions. I've got three young girls, uh, six, nine, and 12. So they're all, a young family. Yeah, so they're all at school, um, but I love spending time with them. And, you know, this job gives me the flexibility to, to have a home life as well as, as a work life. And that's important to you? Very important, yes. And, uh, I mean, does, te- does uh, tequila come out... Um, in the in the in the beach and stuff like that. No, no, no she's a house cat. I do take tequila to the beach, but not in the cat form. 
I, I didn't want to call her what her surname is, a tequila slammer or something like that. But uh, I'll, I'll let our listeners uh, interject with that sort of comment. But uh, no, that's, that's uh, I mean, at least you had the option of calling uh, the cat an, uh, a name that's of something that's very dear to you. Yeah. Um, um, also, the kids, you know, we have a house in Poland. My wife's Polish. So, you know, the kids spend their summers uh, away in Poland, which which is great. So I do get some downtime every year as well. Fantastic. Well, Wes, that that brings us to the end of our 11th episode of Wear Many Hats. Um, We hope our listeners have found this uh, interesting. We'd like to thank uh, Wesley uh, for taking the chair today. It's been, uh, I think, both thought-provoking, engaging, and uh, we welcome our listeners' uh, comments and feedback for when this is published. Thank you once again, Wesley. Thank you. 